You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. Thank you for tuning back into Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, and I'm touching base with David Erfley of JuniorMinerJunkie.com and Brian Lenny of JuniorStockReview.com. Both gentlemen are private investors as well as newsletter writers. And this last week, all three of us attended the virtual Beaver Creek Precious Metals Summit. This is one of our favorite conferences to go to where you meet and have arranged several one-on-one meetings with management. Uh, you get to really meet with the, the, the top tier of people in the mining sector, get a sense of the vibe, pick up on discussions or even rumors, legal rumors uh, when you're there. And so we couldn't do that this year, which was a disappointment to me and I know many others. So I asked for these two gentlemen to join me for a virtual roundtable discussion after the conference, since we usually have a roundtable discussion while we're at the conference. So gentlemen, thank you for joining me. And Brian, I'd like to kick it over to you first. Were there any new ideas or trends that you noticed in your meetings with management or in interesting conversations that you might be able to share? Uh, you know, nothing really new uh, for me. I think it was definitely interesting. It's the first conference I've done en masse uh, where I've had, you know, 10 plus meetings and in the span of, of a couple of days. And so that's a brand new experience for me. And one that, you know, we were just chatting about, um, it's hyper convenient. Uh, there was, besides a one technical glitch, I, I wasn't late for any meetings having to run, you know, back and forth. Um, but you know what, generally speaking, I, I think that, you know, it's pretty upbeat or the companies I was talking to were pretty upbeat and, you know, rightfully so money has flowed back into the, the sector and it's pretty broad based, both base and precious metals. And, um, you know, there's a lot of things happening. There's exploration programs, um, you know, comparative uh, to last year's event. I think, you know, the, the market is very healthy. And even though we're in kind of a, a, a blip here on the downside, um, I think things look really good going into 2021. What about you, David? What were some of your key takeaways from your meetings? Oh, yeah. Thank, thanks again for, for doing this, Bill. It's, all, it's always fun. Uh, unfortunately, we have to do it virtually this time, like we have to do everything nowadays. Of course, the biggest thing I miss is the networking. I mean, I, I always get more from uh, the people in the industry, especially in this Beaver Creek show, because it's industry only. And um, I miss I miss seeing all my friends in the industry for one and catching up with them and I always get I always get great sound bites from, from all of them and I always I always glean more from from the networking than I do from the actual meetings because um, all the meetings that I that I have I'm already an investor with the company I'm very familiar with them and I'm just I'm just getting up to date for my subscribers but uh, the one conversation that I had that stands out the most was with um, Cal Everett, CEO of, of Liberty Gold. Um, I'm a shareholder and I cover the stock in my newsletter. Um, he said that uh, I, I, last time I spoke with Cal was a few months ago. It was right after this COVID thing started and everybody was worried about, you know, all these juniors that, that all they do is consume cash. They don't throw off any cash flow. So with everything being shut down and, and um, everybody going everybody going to the dollar at the time when I was talking to him, he had mentioned that... Um, he, uh, Liberty Gold has a couple of projects. Uh, one project is actual close to the finance stage. That's a gold strike project. And then now their, their flagship is the Black Pine project in Idaho. And um, when I spoke to him last, he said, well, yeah, you know, um, 
Um, our focus is on black pine. And um, uh, when I asked him about possibly monetizing gold strike, he said, yeah, we're open to that. And now when I asked him the same question this time, he said, well, what I found now that is these bankers are looking at companies that have multiple assets. You can get better terms if you're dealing with these bankers that they see you have multiple assets. So, you know, um, a gold strike is, is a fantastic project, especially at, at over uh, $1,900 gold. And, um, you know, they're looking to, 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 uh, to not monetize that project anymore. So um, that is, is, is a very good soundbite that I got out of Cal that, that um, take a look, taking a look at these, at these junior companies before you in, if invest in something, if you're looking for something that uh, you believe that is maybe a, a strong takeover candidate for, for a major, these majors might be looking at something, looking at companies that have multiple assets. David, I remember at the Beaver Creek Conference or Summit last year, you said that a lot of the majors were still cautious when it came to M&A because they wanted to see the gold price stay aloft and they didn't want to repeat some of the mistakes of the top of the last cycle. You know, in light of the share price run up of a lot of these juniors with good projects and in light of what you just said, Kale told you, do you think some of these producers could be getting FOMO, right? Fear of missing out, like some of these assets that they maybe they had their eye on, you know, is the price running away from them? I think it's the opposite of that, Bill. I think what is happening now is with with COVID, A, they're not able to do all their proper due diligence. You know, they, they couldn't, they can't really do mine site visits. And, um, you know, they're, they're pretty much concentrating on, uh, on, on their capital. Uh, but, um, you know, they're, on the other side of that, there's a lot of money coming in and these margins are really high for these companies right now. But you got to understand, Bill, that um, the last time gold was close to these levels was in 2011. And that was just a blow off top. And before that blow off talk took place, um, these executives, they, they went out and they pretty much gobbled up all these assets that weren't economic at higher gold prices. It was a huge mistake. And it costs their it costs their their your shareholders. So they're gun shy right now. They want to make sure that gold has a solid floor at eighteen hundred before they start going out and doing this M and A. Um, when you, you take a look at it's something that that's happening even today with the gold price having this huge move down. You know, as as uh, investors are getting nervous and risk off is coming into the marketplace and there's some money going into the dollar right now. Uh, there's all this. All, all, all these uh, investors that have huge profits in these mining stocks, you know, they're, if they're going to start to get margin calls, they're going to sell them. Um, so um, I think uh, once you see the market pricing in a solid $1,800 floor, you know, there's still a, a good chance that that's going to get tested and even broken, you know, in the 1750, 1800 area, there's very, very strong support there. So I think maybe they're waiting to see if, if that gets tested and held before they start doing some M&A. Brian, any response to what David said? You know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, I think the circumstance, uh, mainly with COVID, really complicates matters, um, de delays and, uh, and such. Um, we'll see. You know, I don't, I, I, I don't put much thought, actually, into trying to guess necessarily, you know, when things are going to happen. I think M&A is something that has to happen, you know, as soon as possible. Um, and I invest according to, you know, a set of principles. And I don't really stray away from that. And, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see how things go. I think we get past COVID and then a lot of things open up and, and there's, you know, tremendous possibilities there. I think one thing's for certain that, you know, central banks 
aren't going to change um, their strategy moving forward. Inflation is the key. And I see the precious metals thesis never being stronger and seemingly each day it's stronger and stronger. So I think, you know, with what's ahead of us, um, I think it's, it's easy to see that M&A is going to happen. The when is, of course, if I could guess it would be great, um, but I can't. So I'll, I'll just stick to what I do and that's try to find value and uh, invest accordingly. A question I always have this time of year, and David, I believe I've asked you this for the last several Beaver Creek summits when we've spoke is, what should I expect for tax loss selling? Now, not as many people have losses this year, of course, but there were a lot of private placements in these last months, and a lot of those shares could continue to come free trading in Q4 here. Dave, what's your ex- expectation of potential sell-off as a result of this in the junior miners? Yeah, that's that's the one that's the one uh, uh, great thing about this year is, is we have to worry a lot less about tax loss selling, but uh, it is going to happen in 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 the juniors that have been lagging. And the juniors that, as you mentioned, that have, that have done these private placements with warrants attached, uh, investors, what they generally do is as soon as the holding period comes off, they sell the shares and they keep the warrants. So absolutely. Uh, I, I, got, I got a question from a subscriber recently on a company uh, that, was, that was an exploration company and they were going to need to raise capital soon and their, their share price you know, is lower than uh, what it was at the beginning of the year. So I, so I mentioned to him that, um, you know, I'd be careful with this one because A, they, they need to raise capital at a really low share price. They're going to have to attach a warrant and um, tax loss selling is coming up here. So anybody who's got a loss in the stock, it's going to get sold. Brian, what's your thoughts? I, you know, again, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 I think like, you know, Dave saying that there's very small chance that the majority of companies are going to be in a tax loss situation. Um, you know, we've got a couple big events, the U.S. Pre- presidential election, you know, how that unfolds with the economy and then probably precipitates into the markets. You know, once we get past that kind of stuff, I think there'll be, you know, more clarity into exactly where we're headed. Um, but I, I expect to see, you know, very few opportunities uh, for tax loss selling this year, at least. Dave, you told me in our last interview on this podcast that you were going to be asking a lot of these development CEOs hey, are you going to get your New York big board listing to increase liquidity and cause the share price to go up just because you got that listing? Uh, you know, how, how did that questioning go and how many of them said yes? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, that's, that it was, it was an interesting experiment that I had. Um, um, some of them were receptive to it. Um, some of them were not, um, basically because they were, they were uh, worried about liquidity concerns. If they have to do a share, roll, a share price rollback to get that uh, listing, you know, it's going to reduce the amount of shares and um, there might be a liquidity problems for somebody who wants to get a large position in the stock. And that's basically what they're trying to to attract, you know, with, with because that's what a big board listing will do. It will it will not only bring in more investor attention, but it'll bring more funds, U.S. fund attention. But uh, the ones that were more receptive to it are the ones that, that had higher market cap that were closer to the finance stage. That wanted to get they wanted to get more access to the U.S. market. Brian, what is your thoughts about management teams that strategically leave demand in the market by not taking as much money as they could through private placements? As you know, I emailed you about a private placement I was interested in a few weeks back, and I was uh, quickly and politely told, "Sorry, it's all full. There's no room for you." <laughs> and then he encouraged me to buy in the open market, which I I didn't. But uh, what's your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, if it um, it's great these days that companies can you know elicit that sort of demand and they you know they feel comfortable enough to turn people away. You know, it's always you know there's a plus and minus to that. Um, as long as the company raises enough money to execute the plan that they have, um, then that's great. Um, but I don't think I would I would uh, you know purposely not raise enough money to execute on the actions I have planned in hopes that people are going to, uh, you know, buy in the open market. As you said, you know, you, you didn't follow that. And, uh, and that's, that's the risk. But I think these days, I think the companies, most that I've seen um, are raising healthy amounts of money. And, and maybe in some cases, there's an argument to say they're probably raising a little more. Um, and, you know, the, with the attachments of warrants, that particular company that, that you're talking about, um, you know, had a full warrant with it. And so that, you know, there is an attraction, especially at the low market cap. Um, so, you know, each, each situation is different, um, but I would just say to investors, you know, if you have that call and you're interested in investing in a company, um, ask the, the CEO whether that amount of money they're raising is going to cover what they have planned. Um, and if it doesn't, if they're looking, you know, we want to raise at a higher price, you know, do phase one drill program and then this, just, just realize that, you know, that they can't execute their full idea and that may or may not be um, appealing to you. David, you have mentioned to me and uh, publicly that if a company is raising at this point in the market with a full warrant for you, that's a warning sign. And then I recently interviewed Joe Mazumdar and he told me when he participates in a financing, he actually doesn't want to see any warrant, not even a half or a quarter warrant, because that says to him that the asset is of such high quality and there's such demand that they don't need to issue a warrant. I'm not a stickler personally on you know, saying you shouldn't be issuing a warrant at this point, especially since I want a warrant as an investor. But what more can you share about how you view this right now in today's market, Dave? Yeah, that's that's interesting that, that Joe would say that. Um, you know, as a U.S. investor, you know, they make it increasingly difficult for us in private place. So there's no way I'm going to uh, I, I'm I'm going to take participate in a private place, not a warrant. I mean, it's already difficult enough even though they're giving me a half or a full warrant with, with legend removal, that the draconian legend removal process is just really, really off-putting. And it's a real head scratcher because there's so much money in the U.S. That, that, that they want coming into these companies and they're making it increasingly difficult. But I digress. Uh, that, wasn't, that wasn't the question. It just gives me a chance to air out my, uh, my, <laughs> my concerns about this. But a uh, funny story. Um, during the, uh, the 2016 run-up, we got, we, we got a small taste of, of uh, private placement fever. And I'm not going to name the company, but I remember there was a company that I, there was, they announced a private placement and I announced my interest and they said, well, I'm sorry, but we're not, we're not taking any money. We're not taking any contributions of, of, of less than $25,000. And uh, the funny thing is the same company came back to me um, not too recently, but uh, within the, within the past year or so asking me if I wanted to participate and there was no minimum. So um, it's, <laughs> did you respond as a gentleman or were you a little bit uh, edgy? <laughs> it's just interesting how, how the climate uh, dictates what, what happens with, the, with, with these private placements. And um, yeah, there's, there's so much money coming into the sector now. And I'll, most of the, most of the times uh, with, with these, with these placements, I mean, by the time that the placement is closed, the warrant's already in the money. Yeah. And sometimes even 
the three days after the financing is announced, I've seen the warrants in the money. Right, exactly. The Denver Gold Show is going on now. That always follows Beaver Creek. Uh, any M&A we should expect to come out of the Denver Gold Show? What do you think, Dave? Um, you know, there usually is, you know, uh, a major M&A announcement that uh, kicks off a small little wave. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. Um, you know, but but as far as, as, as my... Um, my attitude now, now that we're in a buy and hold bull market for the first time in eight years in the junior mining sector, you know, I'm of the ilk that I don't want to see a company that I own being taken over too soon because I know there's a lot more upside left and because of the, because of the quality of the asset the company is de-risking, um, I don't want to see them sell out too soon. So um, sure, it, it would be nice to see some M&A come into the sector just to get more general interest in, into the sector. But um, I really don't want to see any of the companies that I own be, uh, be, be, be sold too soon. Brian, if, if you're seeing a company raise money and a group is either maybe the lead order or going to take a large chunk, you find out of that placement, if you're not particularly fond on how that group operates, maybe their ethics or something that you just turns you off, you know, we're in a bull market. Would you still be willing to participate, you know, going in with this knowledge or would you steer clear at this point in the cycle? Oh, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> I would say it, de it depends. I know I say that a lot, but it does depend. Um, I'd say generally speaking to answer your question, I would say I would steer away. Um, and there's, cause there's typically a good reason why I want to avoid those groups, especially if, if uh, I want to write about it, cause I won't. Um, and uh, that it definitely has a, uh, an effect. And, you know, if, you know, when people hear that you've, you've participated in a placement and there is that connotation with somebody else that has participated in it, you get painted with that brush, whether it's, um, true or not, you know, that you have some connection. And we've seen many examples of that throughout the market. And, uh, and that's something you gotta, you gotta, you know, keep at the forefront of when you make a decision. And so it's definitely there for me. Um, but I wouldn't say I'm totally out. It, it would, it really depend on the situation and the company and, and how I think it's gonna, you know, unravel. Um, but generally speaking, I'd say, yeah, I would avoid it. Dave, uh, I've come to you for advice in the past and said, hey, what do you think about this for a short-term trade? And you've said to me, Bill, I don't like that group that's involved with it. I'm going to steer clear. Are you still as stringent in steering clear of certain groups that you may not be fond of in, in this stage in the bull market? Even more so. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, um, you know, now that this thing is just really getting started, we're going to start to see... Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, um, ir irreputable, um, <laughs> say, say uh, 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 not too uh, trustworthy people come out of the woodwork here and get into this sector. Um, you know, uh, it's more, it's, it's, it's more important now than ever to make sure that um, you are aligned with, with, I mean, as far as I'm concerned and in my business, I'm aligned with shareholders and, and that every company that I own um, uh, every company that I uh, that I recommend, I own stock in. 
Um, I don't, I'm not, I'm not paid by any companies to do any write-ups for them. I, I get countless offers of, of, uh, of companies to say, what is it, what does it take for, 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 for us to, for you to write us up or, you know, things, things of that nature. And I just think it's more important now than ever to make sure that you're in the right companies that are in, that have the right management teams that are aligned with shareholders. Um, and uh, they've, they've got their skin in the game. And one of the questions that, that, that I, I ask right off the bat is how much stock do you own and how much did you pay for your shares before I get interested in, in, in the company? Because I want to make sure that um, these, these management teams are aligned with shareholders because, you know, a lot of times you, you, you see, uh, especially now where we are in this, sec in, in this, in this bull market, um, you see a stock run up and you don't see any news, you know, it's a, it's a good chance that the company is, is paid a newsletter writer to, to, to write them up before they do a finance or whatever, they're trying to get the share price higher. But you, you, but, uh, you just want to make sure that you do your due diligence on the management team first before you get into something. And gentlemen, I usually ask you, you know, regarding your meetings and was there one company that stood out or you found interesting? Brian, if you're willing, is there any... You'd, anything you'd like to share here? Sure. Yeah, there is uh, an interesting company. Um, it's called District Metals. DMX is the ticker. Um, they're doing VMS exploration in Sweden. I think the property package is about two hours drive uh, north of uh, Stockholm. Uh, just interesting targets. And uh, I'm not as familiar with the you know Swedish history of mining. Um, and I think that's mostly related because it was uh, nationalized up until you know the last couple of decades. Um, so interesting targets, uh, the CEO, Garrett Anderson or Ainsworth, um, is a technical guy and I definitely want to take a closer look, um, before I buy it, but I thought it was a really interesting story. And that one is part of the discovery group, right? There's a connection there, but I don't necessarily, I don't think it's, it's actually a discovery group company, but that's a good question. Okay. And the reason I asked that is because it seems in your investing philosophy, once you find a group, whether it's a Cisco group or another group that you like, you tend to be more favorably disposed or willing to entertain a new, a new company, right? Well, absolutely. And you know what? I think that's even more of a big topic these days when you can't actually meet the people in person. Um, if, if there's some connection that I have to the people, um, then it makes a, a, a huge difference for me when it comes to the vetting process. That's actually one of the big negatives about you know, this virtual experience is like for me, I put a lot of weight on, on the experience or how I, I see the person um, that I'm dealing with. And so you know, over the computer, it's just not the same. So you're absolutely right. The, the group or the people um, is, is huge for me. And Dave, anyone you'd be willing to share before we conclude? Uh, sure. Um, I'm sure uh, Brian's probably familiar with this one. Um, Monarch Gold in, in the Val d'Or district of, of Quebec. You know, they've got, um, they've got, it's, it's an interesting story there. They've, they've got uh, a mine that's about to go back into production. They've got a few projects that are, that are multi-million ounce that are, one is at the, uh, is, is at the finance stage. And another is is getting close to the uh, feasibility stage. They've got exploration projects. They've got over three million ounces of proven up gold, and now they finally have the cash. And uh, their 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 ownership also is really interesting. They've got a, they've got they've got more than a few majors in their stock. You know, they've got uh, Alamos Gold, uh, Hecla um, is in their stock. Yamana just got into their stock. Um, it's it's a really interesting story where they've got they've got a few mills. For toll milling, uh, you know, is, is the Val d'Or district. Uh, there's a lot of uh, toll milling uh, opportunity there. 
um, is the Valdor district is very interesting and there's a lot of brownfields projects and the, the district really hasn't been explored below the 516, uh, 500 to 600 meter level. There's a few mines that are, that go deeper than that, but uh, there's a lot of opportunity there and there's, and uh, Monarch is trading at like 30 or $40 an ounce of gold in the ground and, and they've, and, and they've got all these irons in the fire. So that's a company that, uh, that uh, your listeners might want to check out. They're, they're now, they're, they're cashed up. They've got about $38 million. And, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Wasamac have a, have a finance deal or a JV deal before the end of the year. Anything you want to add on that, Brian? I know well, you're well-versed. <laughs> yeah. No, I second that. Monarch is probably, I think it's my second largest position. And uh, they're tremendously undervalued. And um, yeah, I think it's a great company. Excellent. Well, thank you, gentlemen, for joining me. I receive several emails a week asking me for recommendations for newsletters. And here are two gentlemen that I would recommend. Go to David's website at juniorminerjunkie.com. And Brian's website is juniorstockreview.com. Thank you for joining me, gentlemen. Thanks thank for you, having me. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for 1 returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on MiningStockEducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.